0: This is America's Web the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's great to be with you again this week. We've had, of course, some very interesting uh, things happen in the immigration world in the last couple of days, uh, uh, including but not limited to uh, the oral arguments in uh, federal court on Friday. Uh, they were fascinating. David, I spent two hours of my life, two hours, which I will never get back, by the way, listening to those oral arguments, an hour from the uh, the government uh, uh, run by your your president, uh, Barack Obama, uh, and an hour run by your governor uh, from Texas. Um, And uh, I came to one conclusion after listening to uh, the counsel for the government and counsel for the Texas state and the states and the judges not a single one of those men and women have talked to a practicing immigration lawyer. <laughs> that that was it was just plainly obvious. Now anybody who is uh, immigration law geeky enough to be listening to this podcast should go download or listen to the um, the oral arguments. You can find them on America'sVoice dot org uh, and uh, listen to oral arguments. I thought, frankly, that this time the government lawyers did a far better than Obama lawyers did a far better job, far better job arguing their case. Uh, They were much more confident, uh, they were much more aggressive, uh, they cited the laws they should have cited, although they missed a couple things, but I think overall, and they missed a couple things, David, because they're not immigration lawyers. And so they really couldn't dig into the judges' opinions, and judges, really their opinions, their questions, in a way that really answered them. It's quite clear the judges' clerks are not spending a lot of time knowing immigration law either. So I, I thought, generally speaking, that uh, if I was judging the two sides on performance, uh, that the uh, the Obama lawyers did a better job this time than the state's lawyers. Uh, of course, it's the same case; it's the same arguments that we had before. So, you know, generally speaking, nobody nobody on the planet, including your host here, believes that the uh, uh, the federal court judges are going to uh, overturn their their positions not their decision but their positions from their previous uh, rulings um, it's quite clear that the uh, the lone Democrat on the Fifth Circuit panel uh, is clearly not going to join the, the two Republicans in sustaining the state's action uh, but it was it was very interesting to listen to the government the, the, the democratically appointed the Carter appointed judge I thought uh, sounded in some ways very out of touch. Uh, very unknowledgeable about uh, the uh, about immigration law generally speaking uh, and I thought not as nearly as articulate in asking the questions to dig into the other side uh, certainly as compared to Judge Higginson in the in the first hearing uh, but perhaps she brings more um, je ne sais quoi to the uh, uh, more gentleness to the deliberations afterwards and they, maybe she persuades them. I don't know. I, I, am pretty sure though, David, that we're not looking at a decision, uh, implementing DACA, uh, and expanded DACA and DAPA. Perhaps that will happen, but I, if I was gonna lay out, if I'm a Las Vegas odds maker, I'd say the chances are pretty close to zero that that happens. Uh, but generally speaking, I thought it was, it was a much better oral argument for the government, uh, at that point. They spent, as they should have, the largest chunk of their argument on the on Texas' claim that Texas has standing. Now, this is a really interesting take on this. So as we talked about before, Texas' position is, hey, if you give them deferred action, first of all, there's no discretion, but ignore the no discretion issue because there clearly is. Let's say you, everybody you give deferred action, we have to give a driver's license to. One, that's not true. No. That's the p- government's position. I think it is true personally, but okay, that's true. And because we subsidize the licenses, uh, we're gonna lose hundred and twenty five dollars for every or one hundred and forty dollars on every one of these licenses. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of um five hundred thousand do- people in Texas, supposedly. Uh, so we're going it's gonna cost uh David, did we ever do the math? What's five hundred thousand times one hundred and forty dollars? Uh like fifty million dollars something like that? I think
2: it was your salary last year. I it believe. was <laughs> well,
1: very close, uh, uh, but somewhere around fifty million dollars, right? I mean, you have to you have to move some mirrors over, put some things in, blah blah blah, fifty million dollars. Um, now, here's what's interesting, David. Uh, first of all, the the government's response to that is: you're creating your own injury. You can't benefit. You can't have standing in federal court by creating your own injury. You can choose. To give, make DACA people pay the full fee, bam, then there is no injury to you then at that point. Now, second, here's a really interesting study that just came out uh, as well this week, David. it said it looked at, it was currently informal, it was informal, so it's not a scientific survey, but pretty informal. Um, and they did an online poll of DACA recipients, you know, the kids that have had uh, work cards now for three years, and asked them, how has this impacted your life? What have you done? Uh, and it turns out that something like 20% of these kids have actually bought cars. And the average price of the car they bought was around $10,000. Now, in Texas, there is no state tax, but there certainly is a sales tax. Um, and so for every one of those DACA kids in Texas, and I think there was a couple hundred, uh, in, like 100 in the survey we were in Texas, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of $600 for every DACA recipient that bought a car in Texas. So if, if 20% of the 500,000 people who Texas alleges is going to, uh, get driver's license and cost them money, if just 20% of them buys a car, uh, and you know, of course, it's going to be higher than that. Well, not, maybe not because they all have cars ready. Let's say they can buy a car. That's $600 for every one of those people. Four times the, the cost that Texas is going to have for the driver's license. Uh, a car they're not going to buy, technically, if they have no license. So, I mean, I that, that, of course, did not come up because, unfortunately, this study came out. Well, it came out in time, but I don't think the people in the government pay attention to immigration stuff, so they probably wouldn't have saw this. But a really interesting analogy, that Texas is actually going to make money. on this, I mean, That's the argument, of course, as well. People are going to make more money. They have higher salaries. They're going to buy more stuff. So in Texas... Regardless of what your salary is, you pay zero taxes, right? Uh, but if you have more money and you're paying zero state taxes on income, you are going to spend more. So therefore, Texas gets their money on sales taxes. You have more people spending more money. You're going to make more money. And the whole the whole argument of Texas standing, standing. It, it, it's a joke. It, it, now, the government lawyers didn't say that, Obama lawyers. They came close to saying that. Uh, perhaps if I'd argue the case, I probably would have said something that it was uh, jiggery pokery, um, which was the new favorite phrase from Antonin Scalia in his most recent opinion, uh, which means, generally speaking, you know, junk. Uh, so it's just it's just garbage. Their their position on this. So the government lawyers from Obama's administration spent a lot of time talking about that, um, whereas the Texas lawyers spent a lot of time talking about the APA and why Obama hadn't complied with the APA. You know, arguably speaking, I think they're wrong on that. Um, I'm, you know, it's really interesting, David, because you, you think of yourself as a, quote, small government conservative. But if you're a small government conservative, that's going to lead to a lot more presidential power. It's going to lead to the president issuing a lot more orders because you have Congress doing nothing. And so it, it's really kind of an, an, an opposite argument. Or an ironic argument for small government conservatives, could you think maybe the president should have more power? That at least was Cheney's argument as a small government conservative, if he really was a small government conservative, that the president and all these neocons think the president should have more power. A part of that power is not just to go to war and then send people to die, but also to give benefits. So I, 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 their argument is interesting. Uh, I don't object to Obama publishing this. I think if he wanted to make this go away, we talked before on other shows, he would just publish the damn thing uh, and do it under the emergency rules, which, of course, they would still complain about, but nothing they could do about that, and then it would go into effect. Uh, but uh, at the end of uh, the court's uh, opinion, there was, of course, there was rebuttal and counter-rebuttal at the end of their argument. The court, of course, didn't say when they're going to issue a decision in this case. Uh, that was the very first question I was asked when I went on a comment later that day on both Telemundo and Univision here in Atlanta. Uh, they both asked the same question. When are we going to get a decision? This week? I said, oh, no, no, no. no! There, there is no judge in this country, other than immigration judges, that issue decisions the same week. Uh, they may have already written their decisions, or certainly they've, certainly they've drafted where they're going to be. Very few judges are persuaded in oral argument to change their original position. Uh, But I would suspect, as in the last time we got the decision about three weeks after the oral argument, basically the same panel, I would say we're probably going to have a decision within three weeks of the oral argument. So I I would say maybe by the end of July uh, we should have their decision. Now, here comes the big question, David. What will Obama do next if he loses? What will the states do next if they lose? Let's look at it from the state's perspective. Obviously, if the state loses, uh, they're either going to appeal on banc to the Court of Appeals, but they would probably feel that they have a strong case to go to the Supreme Court. Now, this case is only on the preliminary injunction. This is not on the final decision from Judge Hannon. This case is actually going to go to trial. They're going to have a hearing on this case uh, in Texas. So this is only on the preliminary injunction, but... If the preliminary injunction is lifted, basically that's a meaningless exercise in futility. Um, If the injunction stays in place, then you're going to have a long, drawn out trial in district court. So the states may appeal and likely, I think, more likely would appeal to the Supreme Court. Obama, on the other hand, has an interesting choice. I think he should, if he loses, they should absolutely ask for an en banc decision. Why? Uh, first of all, if you go to, directly to the Supreme Court, you're not going to know for a few weeks whether you're gonna, actually going to take your case. And two, it is remarkably doubtful if the Supreme Court would do anything other than put this case on its regular calendar, which means you're not going to get a decision until next May or June. All right? So it delays the decision. Now, I'll get into effect fact why that's not the best way to go. You go to the full panel, all 15 judges in the Fifth Circuit, one, keep in mind, you've drawn the two basically most conservative GOP guys in the Fifth Circuit. Uh, other panel decisions would, would, on immigration will show you that they are the two most conservative guys in the Fifth Circuit on immigration issues. So you're much more likely to win at, at, a, at a, an, an en banc panel. Uh, two, that will be able to be heard and convened if they agree to take an en banc. By October, I mean, you're going to have another set of arguments in October on the preliminary injunction and you're going to get a decision for the end of the year. So it's much faster. So I think from a from a president who really wants to implement this, you go all in and you ask for an en banc review. Now, for a president who wants to continually politicize this, then you skip the en banc review and you go to the Supreme Court, believing you're going to get four votes. We got to get four votes to, to be heard. Uh, I think it's for me, it's three, but I think it's four votes to be heard. Uh, and you're going to get those from the Democrats. Kennedy then becomes a swing vote. Although Scalia has been good on these issues in the past, so you never know with Scalia on immigration issues. Uh, very much a strict constructionist of the statute, so I, I think you win because the strict construction of this statute says Obama wins. Um, if Obama wants to politicize this which I know will shock you, David, I believe he actually does, uh, then he will go to Supreme Court because then you drag out this entire thing for the next year.
2: You, you want to review quickly the purpose of this
1: suit? The purpose of this suit, I mean, the state of Texas is suing to stop Obama from an executive action. Really, it's the Department of State. It's not really Obama, of course. This is act, comes out of Jay Johnson, uh, obviously with Obama's approval. Um, on a change in enforcement policy. Okay, The enforcement policy is this. Dear Congress, you have given us X billions of dollars for enforcement. With X billions of dollars, we can deport 400,000 people. We have 11 to 12 million people here. We are hurt by them being in the shadows. They are hurt by being in the shadows. We want to bring them out of the shadows, fingerprint them, identify them, see where they live, And in return, not deport them currently for two two years and give them work permit. We don't know what we're going to do two years from now. We may revoke it. We may send it away. So the purpose of this lawsuit is to stop Obama from actually creating a database of deportable people. Let's come back here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
3: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos un solado con más de 10 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración. Conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-861. A las 404-816861. O visítenos al www.immigration.net.
2: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
1: Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866 286 6200. That's 866 286 6200. Or visit
3: us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: This is America's Web com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Perhaps the most listened to immigration uh, uh, media in the known universe, David. Uh, Ooh, we might even by, be by Pluto at this point. By the That's way, right. you remember I did. That was a very cool picture of Pluto. You looked at it. Okay, great Pluto. It, it made me feel like I was I was uh, Grissom from the uh, uh, not from the, the the space program, but from the movie Vacation uh, when they're at the Grand Canyon. Hey Clark, you know Clark Grissom? Yeah, great. All right, yeah, good. Let's go. Nice rock. Okay, well, there you go. Nice dead planet, nice rock. There we go.
2: Now, if you call a person an illegal alien, are they from Mexico? They would or be from, from, from the space? outer
1: universe. Uh, the, not the inner universe, but the outer universe. Oh. And you have to have green, high, green, green, green like skin and no genitalia. Oh. Not, so, therefore, there would be no aliens there. Um, but you asked a great question. What, what is this about? This lawsuit really is about... Stopping the president from gathering the names of 4 to 5 million undocumented immigrants and keeping a database of them to determine when and if they should be deported. That's what this lawsuit is about. Because that's what is really, from an enforcement perspective, that's what DAPA is. Now You would say, well, if they could deport 4,400,000 people a year, and we have 11 million, that means in 20 years we can deport everybody, presuming nobody else comes in. Now, we know that, the, that, that now the majority of people coming into the, the majority of people that are coming in that become undocumented, our visa overstays are not actually illegal entrance to the United States. They're not coming across the border. They're overstaying their visas. And we know that we have no mechanism in place to actually search them out and find them. Uh, if we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of, let's see, how many immigrants, how, how, do you know how many uh, ICE officers there are out there? Two, no, no, there's, David, there's more than two ICE officers out there. Uh, let's, ask, um, let's ask Google how many ICE officers, I have to actually spell it correctly to get this information, how many ICE agents are there at DHS? Now, let's, say, let's see what happens here. Now, I was going to ask Siri, but I'm not really sure that's, uh, that's going to happen here. Uh, David, you'll be glad to know, that ICE has a budget every year of six billion dollars, and there are approximately sixty five hundred special agents of the of ICE. Um, uh, now, special agents are different from enforcement agents, uh, so it's a little unclear how many are. Uh, let's see how many work for enforcement rule operations. Uh, they don't say, so let's say there's ten thousand. So ten thousand agents every year. You got three hundred thousand overstays. So each of them only has to go and find 30 a year.
2: 3000.
1: 3000 a year. Oh, I guess that's right. 3000. So all they have to do is so that's all that's easy. They can do that. Yeah. So that means every day they need to find about what, 10? So 10 a day. So just well, they only work 200 days a year. Well, they're though. probably all grouped together where they can
2: <clears throat> pick up 10
1: a They're like an irobot, you know, they'll huddle together in the same the same uh, So so you know, when these guys talk about enforcement, obviously they're not serious. Because they all talk about shrinking government and somehow magically increasing enforcement, as if 100% enforcement was either possible or it, it, it gets farted out of a unicorn's butt with nothing else happening that makes it happen.
2: Do away with welfare and then in, in, up the ante for ICE.
1: No, what we could do is we could eliminate welfare and make all those people, that give them welfare, but in return they must become agents of immigration. We could do that, David. That's a good idea. No, that's a massively stupid idea. And by the way, even Donald Trump supports welfare and internet and, and universal health care, by the way, in case you were curious. We'll get to Donald Trump here in a second. Um, so the the idea that, that this case is about actually the states arguing for a lower level of immigration enforcement. That's what they're arguing for. Because you're not going to get four million people brought in by ICE in a single year by their own efforts. That's not going to happen. And yet DAPA would have. I'm not sure it would anymore, by the way. The Latino community and Asian communities that would benefit are very disheartened and now really just don't trust anybody. Um, There would have been no no better way to bring in 4 million people overnight into the system. Not to give them any permanent benefit, but to put them into deportation queue. Now, many of them would not have been deported, but some of them would have been. Because people are going to commit crimes, like some DACA kids have committed crimes. <clears throat> they do that, they're going to be deported. You lose your right to stay in the United States. So at the end of the day, David, we've got a really interesting mix here where the Obama administration is actually arguing for increased method of enforcement that makes it easier for them to identify people who are undocumented. And the states, all the Republican states, are actually arguing for a lesser level of enforcement uh, and more an increased level of undocumented immigration uh, by arguing against deferred action. I mean, it's uh, when you look at it from that perspective, it's very much a turn the uh, turn the tables on the people who think they know what they're doing. Again, this David goes to what my initial point was. Nobody has talked to a practicing immigration lawyer. They don't know what's going on. They don't have boots on the ground. They talk to ICE agents who have the view of one single sapling in a giant forest. They talk to the immigration guys, the anti-immigration guys who, who know two saplings in the forest, and they don't talk to the people who understand the forest and maintain it. They do that, I think uh, these issues go away. So, David, I think the Obama administration is going to politicize this further. Uh, I think they may skip the uh, the embank. I, I pray they don't. I pray they actually don't politicize this further by going to the Supreme Court without going en bonk first. But if they go directly to the Supreme Court, David, you will know it's purely about politics because then they can keep in the political domain this issue. And Hillary can keep banging on it. banging on a the table. They bang, bang, bang. Hillary keeps banging on this while every Republican uh, non- uh, potential presidential candidate is forced to a certain extent, except for Lindsey Graham, uh, to say a bad idea this is. When in reality, I will guarantee you that half of them would have done the exact same thing.
2: Have you ever thought about the fact that if you do the right thing, you fix the problem, then you won't have anything to won't we'll
1: have anything worry. to complain about, will you? So this is why the Democrats now are not fixing it. Oh, no, we passed the bill. You didn't pass a bill when you could have passed the bill. You passed the bill when you knew you weren't going to be able to finish it. That's different. That's different. And I blame the Democrats as much as the Republicans on this. They could have passed the bill in the first two years. They slammed Obamacare through. They could have much more easily slammed immigration reform through. They would have gotten Republican votes on immigration reform. Um, But they didn't. And they could have. So they're as much to blame as Republicans. And really, for the foreseeable future, David, there's not going to be either political party that's ever going to have that opportunity, at least in the next five to eight, six to ten years, where they're going to be able to control both houses of Congress and the presidency. That's just not going to happen. Um, But you've got a situation now where these presidential candidates uh, are really behind the eight ball. Um, Now, before I get to that, I, I want to go back to the idea that Congress is to blame here. Um, You know, last week we talked about John Boehner, uh, your speaker, uh, was over in Ireland saying how much he really desperately wants immigration reform. And this really great headline came out this week uh, on the Hill, and I loved it. And it's Boehner saying, Obama's to blame for the failure of immigration reform. Now this is the same speaker Who would not bring up a bill passed by the Senate, bipartisan, that would have passed in a bipartisan House. It would have absolutely happened. I don't think there's any human being on the planet that would dispute that it would have passed. Um, So, who's really to blame here? Now, what he's saying, I think, is, quote, He stirred up the American people in such a way that it would be impossible to do immigration reform, given the environment we're dealing with. I want to do immigration reform. That's a lie. And the president knows it. That may be true. I asked the president about a year ago, gave him some, wait a second, a year ago. That would be when you had a bill in your in your chambers that you could have voted on, that you could have modified in some way. Um... Give him some, and gave him some ideas about things that should happen if he wanted immigration reform and some things he shouldn't do. Well, the president didn't take my advice. And he doubled down on the executive orders that frankly far exceeded the authorities and the courts have got him stopped. He's really poisoned the well. This is John Bannon. i got to tell you, um, this guy is um, uh, the opposite of what a leader is. He's the, and I think I got support from that position from a lot of Republicans. He is the opposite of what a leader is. Um, now you have that so he's why is he why is he saying this why why come out now and say it's Obama's fault? David, I think it's also about politics. It's also about politics because you've got Boehner and the GOP House leaders who are caught between them, what their ideas on reform are, and the tail that wags the dog, and their their absolute need to gain Hispanic voters uh, in their conference. So they, they've got, you know, national GP leaders have, long, we on the show, David, for longer than the GP have warned that a failure to act on immigration will solidify the Hispanic vote for Democrats and threaten, threaten eliminate, the GOP chances in 2016 eliminate them. If 70 percent of, 73 percent of Hispanic voters chose Obama over Mitt, and now you have the the, the clown car full of people uh, ready to do worse than what Mitt was talking about, how do you think you're going to get Latino vote? Are you counting on the fact that they're disillusioned with Obama and just won't vote? Trust me, that's not going to happen. Hillary knows that. And unless you like saying the words President uh, Clinton in the same sentence, um, you better change your tune quickly. The House literally has about a year left, maybe even eight months left, to create an immigration reform package. And if they don't do it within that time frame, they are, in the proverbial words of General Electric, toast. Um, And they have no chance... to to win the presidency against a Hillary Clinton machine, David, a well-oiled, well-financed machine. I don't care how much money Jeb Bush raises. I don't care how pro-immigrant Jeb Bush is. He's always got this tail wagging that dog, and it's going to be crazy. Uh, Boehner on Sunday soundly rejected the notion that Republicans are avoiding the issue to prevent a high-profile civil war. He cited the 2014 primary loss of Eric Cantor as a reason Republicans haven't taken up conservative, conservative reforms. Some of our members thought it had something to do with immigration reform. Yeah. Between the two, the window for doing immigration reform last summer dissipated. You know, again, David, this is all about a lack of political courage and a lack of leadership. Um, from Boehner down through Price, down through... All the other guys up there and women on Capitol Hill who talk the talk, but simply will not walk the walk. Let's take a break here on the Immigration and on America's Web Radio.
3: Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración. Conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las a las o en el internet.
2: This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at eleven AM for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other
1: writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at eleven AM here on America's Web Radio.
2: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
0: This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the uh, Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, David I have a question to ask you about Obamacare because I know it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing in your life um, when immigration reform happens right now as you know undocumented immigrants are barred from Obamacare they cannot buy insurance on the exchanges uh, they cannot get any subsidies they're just completely barred from, from Obamacare if they are given they're guess- lucky. what? <laughs> they're lucky well, that's a good question what uh, part of my question. So should they be allowed or mandated to enroll in Obamacare? Should Congress create a guest worker program, or legalization program or whatever? No, no, They should not be required to do so. So they
2: yeah, you know,
1: so yes. they are better off in your view than many than Americans who are required to be part of it.
2: You know, uh, there's um, I mean, uh, you, this is your business, obviously, not my business, right. But I go back to very simple things, and that's the Constitution. And I can feel for the people, the stories that you've related and that uh, some of your guests have related regarding our treatment of of undocumented Mm -hmm. folks coming in. But I go back to very simplistically and say if they're here and they didn't go through the legal process, then... Certainly they should not, good or bad... Get well, that's not my
1: question, David. I'm saying a, if they get given a legal status of some kind, should they be required to enroll in Obamacare?
2: Should they be given a legal status? No, no, no. Stat- Should they
1: be required to enroll in Obamacare? Well, oh, I, I
2: understand what you okay. said, but you just said also if they're given some and type of legal... should they get legal- the
1: subsidies as well? No. It's a yes or no question. No. So, therefore, you want them treated, in your view, better than Americans. In my view... Right, that's what you're saying. But I, I you
2: disagree to... with the mandate. To I begin understand,
1: with. but that's not going away. You and I both know that's not going away, ever. Yeah, it's never going away, David. And you know why? Because you're never going to have 60 GOP members of the U.S. Senate, and until you have 60 members of the GOP Senate, that's not going to happen. So, looking at reality, it's never going away. Why would you keep people out of the program that gives them more benefits by, from somebody's – from your perspective? by being out of it. Now, I will tell you, there are many people in that situation who would love to be in an insurance program, and there are lots of hospitals out there that would love for them to be in an insurance program, because that reduces substantially their current insurance program, which is the hospital emergency room. I mean, let's, let's no which, doubt about it, there is an insurance program, David, people have insurance called the emergency room.
2: Yeah, which... Uh... They generally don't pay, so the taxpayers. No, gets that's to not pay. true.
1: They do. The, many of them do pay. I will tell you. I've talked. I've been with these people. They generally do pay. Um, I think but they will.
2: I think they will pay for office visits before they'll pay for in cash.
1: Oh yeah, cash. Absolutely, because doctors yeah. are not stupid anymore. You know, they just take cash up front. Uh, but David, I wanted to bring that out because it points out the problem that the GOP has here moving forward. Um, Obama has created, you can call it a landmine, you can call it a terrible thing, you can call it a great thing. He's created a system and a process now that has become part of the American fabric. Sixteen million people that have insurance that are happy to have insurance. Now, you may have many more that that, that are complaining because their premiums went up. The question is, did they go up less than they would have or more than they would have with Obamacare? Um, all the reports I'm seeing, they would have gone up less than Obamacare, but you probably have folks saying they've gone up more. Um, but Obama has created a system here uh, that it's going to be, in many ways, irreversible, impossible to turn around. Uh, and the question becomes for the GOP how are they going to campaign and work on that to get people to support their agenda? How are they going to make that happen? And to date, all, the, the, the leading voice at least on immigration in the GOP uh, is uh, your favorite candidate your favorite billionaire uh, Donald Trump who by the way has more money than you think he has <laughs> he said so he said so Now my favorite quote from Donald Trump this week has been when asked about his, his uh, military experience and what he would do with Iran said nobody's better in the military than me nobody's stronger than me Course he, of course, he has no military experience. I, I believe he is in the George Bush area was where he kind of didn't get drafted, that kind of era. And and Obama's uh, military experience? No, he does not, but of course he's in the era when there was no draft. Difference. Difference. Uh, people that evaded the draft? Problematic, I would say. Problematic, I would say. That That's your generation, not my generation. I was outside of that. Kim Obama's only 54. He's only a year older than I am. So uh, he's going to be around for a very long time. He's going to make Jimmy Carter look like, a young man, like an old man when he gets, when, 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 uh, when Obama's been around for 40 years after he's been president. Uh, so Donald Trump, David, is attracting, attracted a large group in Phoenix. Everybody in this room raised their hand who's surprised by the fact that Donald Trump attracted a large group of anti-immigration guys in Phoenix. Nobody's raising their hand because nobody's surprised by that. He did not go to New York City and attract that group, however. He did not go to Seattle and attract that group. He didn't even go to Miami and attract that group. Uh, he did it in a hotbed of anti-illegal immigration or anti-immigration sentiment out in Arizona. Uh, what's interesting, now? I want to give Donald Trump some kudos here, Dan. Have you watched him speak? He, 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 he is interesting in how he speaks because, one, he has no script. Clearly has no script. Whatever just pops in his mind comes out of his mouth. There, there's really no filter between the two of them. Um, and he has no details about anything. He's really great on platitudes and big ideas, but actually has no solutions, oh, unless you count charging Mexico $100,000 a head for their undocumented immigrants, which would mean... That Mexico would have to come up with something like 250 trillion dollars or some crazy number like that uh, to to pay for all their undocumented immigrants in America, um, and which is greater, of course, than their entire national economy. Well, uh, maybe 257 billion dollars, something like that. Uh, and he says, "I'll get it out of him. you. Watch." I mean, really, is there anybody that takes this guy seriously? Does he even take himself seriously? Now, I will tell you the reason I brought up the Obamacare because in that same speech, David, he said. We need to strengthen Obamacare and make it easier for people, basically. So people started booing. He said, no, no, no. we got to help poor people. got to help poor people. And this is how we're going to do it. So is this, does he have any chance of winning a GOP primary once his other views, other than immigration, once his other views come out, is anybody who's conservative going to vote for this guy? Once his other views come out. No, of course not. Because Donald Trump, I think I said it here last week, David. I think he's a Democrat plant. <laughs> we know from his giving record to politicians, he's given like 90% of his money to, Republic, to Democrats over his lifetime. Very little to, 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 to Republicans. Uh, if he is a registered Republican today, it's only new. Uh, so all Donald Trump seems to be doing, especially after he was, let's say, he was called in to talk to Reince Priebus, and... Um, And, uh, he, uh, probably said something, you know, appreciate your views on this. I think they're important. We talk about them, but you might want to tone it down just a little bit. That's kind of Rice Priest's kind of view on that. Uh, and, uh, Trump was like, no, he didn't say that. He said he supports me. And then he doubled down on this stuff. Um, I, I just find it, uh, really interesting, um, uh, that he has chosen this as his issue. Because really, before he started talking about it, David, it wasn't in the top five issues. It wasn't. It's kind of gone by the wayside. Now the economy is stronger. People are just like, okay, well, we don't, you know, whatever. We'll fix it eventually. Um, what what Trump really is doing here, and, and Lindsey Graham this morning on... Uh, Morning Joe said this quite clearly. Uh, He is a wrecking ball of the national GOP. Oh, yes, they'll win Arizona, and they'll win Texas, and they'll win most of the other southern states, but they will not win the presidency. They will not win the presidency. Uh, And he is leading the way to make sure that, that that happens. Now, I've been convinced ever since immigration reform failed in the House, in the Republican House that whoever the Democratic nominee was going to be was going to sail to victory. Win by 5 to 8 million votes. Easy, a national election. They will win the Electoral College going away. They will actually win a couple swings. If you watch watch North Carolina, it's going to go back to being Democrat again. Because the problem that the Republicans now have with a Hillary ticket is they're going to lose uh, people they had before Women that maybe had some, you know, you know, moderate women that went Republican in the past, they're, they're going to go on Hillary. They absolutely are. I see it in, in my own life uh, that they're absolutely going to do that. Now, some would say, well, Hillary's got to survive the primaries. Bernie Sanders, really? The dude's not even a registered Democrat. He's not even going to be on the ticket in his own state. He's not a Democrat. He's an independent. So he technically can't run in the primary in his own state. Very interesting stuff, right? Bernie is no more a, um, a candidate than, than, you, than you are, David, in the Democratic <laughs> primary. He gets And, and here's something that he pointed out something very interesting about his crowds. He, he's getting way bigger crowds than Donald Trump everywhere he goes. But they have one thing in common. Have you, have you heard about this? What, the one thing Bernie Sanders' crowds have in common? They're all old and white. <laughs> They're old and white. Very few minorities, very few younger people, a lot of them are older and white. Fifty and up, lots of gray hair, kind of the the hippie generation kind of out there. Um, So Hillary's going to sail to victory by wide margins. I mean, wide, wide, wide margins. Uh, And she's going to be able to, she did it yesterday. She's already attacking what many people believe, and including I, believe is the presumptive Republican nominee, at the end of the day, Jeb Bush. Go back to 2012. Now, David, we were doing. We should probably pull some of our archives out about this uh, from 2012 during the primaries, uh, when uh, Mitt was moving to the right to get behind. And, and who, who at this time uh, four years ago was leading the polls in Iowa? Who was that, David? Do you know who that was? Somebody remarkably like Donald Trump, Michelle Bachman and then uh, Rick Santorum, people that have no hope, no hope, of getting elected nationally, no hope. Now, I do think that some of these folks, David, are running for vice president. Before we go on our break here, I want to ask you, if you were the nominee today, who would you pick for your vice president in the GOP side? Charles Cook. No, that's an excellent (laughs) choice, by the way, excellent choice. We'd make a great team. I would walk behind you and say, he didn't really mean that. It's not really what he meant to say. Here's what he meant to no, say. Oh,
2: you'd walk behind me saying, he's not wearing his vest. He's <laughs> not wearing
1: his <laughs> <that. shooting at. laughs> <I'm not wearing laughs> vest. Shoot now. He didn't take his meds today. It's okay. Um, you know who I would pick if I was a GOP nominee? Nikki Haley. Two-term governor. Not a clown like 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 Sarah Palin was. Two-term governor. Very smart woman. Uh, very smart politician, did a great job, I thought, on the Confederate flag. She handled it with aplomb and dignity, uh, without pissing really anybody off, other than the crazy people. Um, I think she's from the South. Now, you know, can you pick two from the South? Well, Bill Clinton did, Him and Gore, They're from the South. I, I think geography doesn't really matter that much anymore in, in, the, in the term of, in the national media that we have. I think she'd be a really interesting choice uh, for Jeb. Uh, so watch for, my, so my prediction, David, write this down, Jeb Haley ticket, and their symbol is going to be a comment, just kind of going, psh. let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's web radio.
3: Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Chámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, se si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano. All tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy al 404-816-8611. 404-816-8611 o visítenos por el internet al ww.immigration.net.
1: With all the back and forth in today's politics, It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Book Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate.
3: Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at
1: www.immigration.net.
0: This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Welcome back to the final segment of today's uh, Immigration Hour. Uh, David, I... I think it's time to fact-check Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush on immigration. What do you think? <laughs> now, I know I know you're a big fan of fact-checking. You, know, you and I have talked about that. I've been political fact checked in the past, and I think they were wrong about that, and I will stand by that. Um, so uh, the Florida governor, seen by many as kind of a pro-immigration reform Republican candidate, of course repudiated uh, Trump's remarks, Um Uh, And he campaigns again that he supports a path to earned legal status. Um, And in Bush's book, Immigration Wars, uh, when asked for a detailed outline of his position, uh, he acts as if he did not endorse citizenship in those pages. He did endorse the bill pushed for the Senate, which includes citizenship ultimately. Bush this year has backed away from a pathway for citizenship for children eligible under DACA. But when he was asked by the editorial board of the New, New Hampshire Union Leader... If he supports a pathway to citizenship, Bush said, my belief is no. Now, so Bush has got this really weird navigation between earned legal status and path to citizenship. This is again, David, where people get in trouble when they don't talk to an actual practicing immigration lawyer with experience. You do not, in America, want to create a second class of people. One. So it's stupid to bar people from citizenship who would otherwise be eligible simply because of one act in their life, other than a felony of some, an aggravated felony of some kind. So if you say to the dreamers, "I'll give you a green card, but you're not going to become a citizen," you've now created a, a, an entire class of people who are going to live a very long time here, who are going to carry with them a resentment. Now that said. If you don't if you have a if you say, okay, we don't have a bar to citizenship, but it's not automatic, fine. Nobody wants an automatic path to citizenship. That's stupid. It's stupid to do that. But if you have a path to legal status, whether you pay a fine, you show you paid your taxes, you do these certain things that we've talked about over the years, and you get your permanent residence, at that point the decision is yours whether you want to be a citizen. That's the way it always has been. It's the way it should be. Now we know. From the amnesty of, 80, of 86, that only about 40% of those men and a few women actually have obtained U.S. citizenship. Only 40%. That historically is pretty true. Going back at the numbers we've been able to find, that about 40% of people who are permanent residents end up becoming citizens of the U.S. We don't want an automatic path to citizenship. That's why people like Bush should stop talking about a path to citizenship and, as I have suggested for years, talk about a path to legality. Let's make legality the norm and get away from this idea that, you're, that all these people are going to become citizens because they're not. And many of them don't want to be, nor can they learn the language vision to be. Um, so I think if Bush was a little more clear about that, um, I think we'd be in good shape. Now, Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, um, has said this. Bush, Bush has said this about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton will say anything to get elected, and her numerous flip-flops on immigration prove it. Is that true? Say yes, David, that's true. That's true. That's true. Thank you, David. Uh, Clinton, in fact, did vote for an amendment drafted by big labor leaders um, that effectively killed comprehensive immigration reform, as did Barack Obama. They both vote, they were both anti-immigration back in 2007. We know that. And that vote down came out of the Democrats. We know that. Um, Now, some conservative GOP chose to vote for it as a poison pill to disrupt consensus. Both Clinton and Barack Obama voted in support of the measure, likely to curry favor with labor interests as they pursued the nomination. But Clinton and Obama both supported the ultimately failed underlying bill, but they killed it anyway. Um, Bush's campaign is also right that Clinton did tell CNN a year ago, a year ago, 2014, in the wake of a flood of unaccompanied children, that they should be sent back. It's a comment that her now Democratic rival, O'Malley, is focusing upon. Um, I think all of them sh- who could should be reunited with their families, is what Clinton told him. Um, now, of course, detaining in, in children uh, is a bad idea. But you have a situation here where Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush don't have a clean record on immigration. Uh, and since this is the immigration hour, not other hours, I don't really care about other issues... But they have... um, Hillary has been less consistent than Bush. Bush has always favored a reform package that involves some sort of legal status for people. Hillary is unclear about that. Uh, Now, we could go through some of these other candidates out there, David. We know Lindsey Graham is uh, pretty good on immigration. He gets it, if that... He's the one that really has, has come down hard on, uh, on uh, Trump, uh, uh, talking about the fact that uh, uh, Trump is doing more to destroy the party's ability to gain votes among Latinos than any candidate in, in their history, other than like Michelle Bachman. Um, uh, but other candidates have their views as well on immigration, and these views are really all over the place. They're all over the place. Uh, the, uh, Scott Walker, for example. Talk about a flip-flopper. I mean, this guy was pro-immigration reform two years ago, and now, in order to curry favor from the far right, he says, no, no, I, I, I don't, I don't favor, uh, immigration reform. Everybody should be deported. I believe in enforcement first, and enforcement only. Um, so, he has zero chance, uh, to, uh, to, to, to go there. Um, and, uh, a lot of reporting has been done in in the recent uh, weeks because of Trump's comments on Republicans and the immigration divide. Um, now, there's here's a great poll from CBS, David. This is a poll of uh, uh, of Republicans, um, and let's see, are they likely voters? Let's see, it's a CBS New York Times poll. Thirty-eight percent stay say stay, stay in the U.S. and get citizenship. say stay, no citizenship, and that totals up to what? 50%. 46% say required to leave. So of Republican voters, the majority say stay, and let's fix immigration reform. So why keep pandering to the 46%, David? There's only one reason. The 46% votes in primaries, and the 50% don't.
2: And the 99% of those don't understand the issue anyway.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely right. Now, here's what's interesting. Of the 46% that say required to leave, the vast majority of this group says they would not vote for a candidate who disagreed with them on that issue. That's why they're pandering to this 46%. Uh, absolutely fascinating, fascinating. Fascinating, fascinating numbers. Um,
2: that would only change though, and, and it would change. And I don't know who they were talking to, the panders, but the fact of the matter is, if another issue became hotter, or another, if something became an issue that they more strongly believed in,
1: they would change. The oh, heartbeat. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if you had a choice between a pro immigration, anti-abortion guy and a pro-immigration pro-abortion guy, who are most of the GP going to vote for? The anti-abortion guy, right? Uh, uh, the pro-life side. Uh, so yeah, people will change their mind they, they could say anything, You can say anything to a pollster you want. It doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. Uh, I just find it fascinating that you've got this real dogfight within the party and essentially no no Bush could be stronger on this. Now, so you got Bush as a top tier candidate. Rubio, where has Rubio been? Hmm. Here's my problem with Mr. Rubio. Obviously he was part of the gang of eight. He drafted the bill. He was supported it. He was before it before he was against it. Um but should anybody who's forty four years old be president of the United States? Or forty three, Was he, forty three? David, you're a man of of, of age. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you very much. Does a 43-year-old have what it takes to be president of the United States? Does he have the life experience necessary to do that?
2: Ask Mr. Kennedy, I guess. Oh, but he's not here to ask.
1: What did he? Kennedy have in, in uh, have that these that virtually none of these guys have?
2: Military experience. military
1: experience. Command experience. You've been through the military in war? I don't care what age you are. You're good to go. You've, you've, you, there's a gravitas that comes with that. When you run a failed business and do a crappy job in your life managing your finances, you really going to run America? I mean, I, 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 Rubio is, in my opinion, not a serious candidate. He just does not bring the gravitas with him that you need. All I had is Obama was 46 when he got elected. 47. Case in point. Well, Clinton was younger, too. Case in point. Case in point. Now, some would say, well, George Bush had military experience.
3: Yeah, he did. You know? But he's also older. A little more gravitas.
1: I think that comes with it. I mean, look at Reagan. I mean, Reagan did not have military experience, but he had gravitas. George H.W. Bush had serious military experience. Serious. All kinds of great experience. I thought he was a good president. He wasn't great on taxes. But you know what? That led to the greatest economic boom in our history from 92 to 2000. So, David, we we talked a lot about these politics of immigration. It's just going to heat up. Uh, uh, Next week we'll be talking about uh, the the next candidates to come into the race here on the GOP side. And also we're going to be looking at in more detail, I'm going to pull up the individual stances, see if we can get real answers from presidential candidates. Maybe we can get a political analyst on our show for next week to talk about that. Even until next week, uh, this is the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Have a great week. If you have any questions or comments or want to talk or be on our show, be, feel free to call me at, at, at our number, 404-949-8154, or email me at ccook at immigration.net. Until next week, it's the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
0: This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.